Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the PodQuest. PodQuest. Broadcasting from all around Vol Nation. Where we talk about Vols football, <laughs> basketballs, recruiting, and exclusive interviews with those closest to the program. Now, you're about to experience the PodQuest. Good evening, Vol Nation. It is... National Signing Day. Happy National Signing Day. This is Georgia Tech Fall. This is the PodQuest. We've been going for many, many months now. It's incredible. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. We're going to have such a fun time tonight on this special Wednesday night edition. There's been so much content put out there around National Signing Day. So not necessarily the most exciting one for Tennessee fans, but you did see a decent jump in the rankings. I think I saw from 16 to 11 in the ESPN.com rankings, and then you've seen you know, Tennessee kind of have around the 12 to 15 range and, and rivals, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about basketballs and we're going to have a good time tonight. A lot of laughs. Um, I've got a great group with me this evening. We'll go through the list and uh, we'll get started talking balls recruiting and national signing day. The man who helped make me bleed orange 23. Thank you for being on tonight. How are you? Oh, it's good to be here. Fruit of my loins. And, um, Happy uh, signing day to everybody, and uh, good to be here and uh, hanging out with the guys. Good. Good to have you on, as always. Priestfall, he is back. Um, on, on the podcast. we only allow uh, two weeks of paid time off, so you did miss two weeks. <laughs> um, you had this is mandatory that you had to make it back with no sleep, uh, so thanks, Priestfall. Congratulations again. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, your uh, the paternity leave is strong though, so I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, no, little one's doing great. But if I do, you know, say anything that somebody can throw back in my face, I blame it on nothing but sleep deprivation. So you can't hold anything against me uh-huh. for the next couple of weeks. That listener try to call me out, so that's uh, I'm going to use that excuse for a few weeks. That's uh, all good. You got about six months of that, so uh, good luck. Good luck there. Um, the man with the plan, Powell Valls, and it sounds like we might have a little weather quest tonight. I don't know. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. Uh, having a really good week this week. Tennessee uh, Athletics is, and hope we keep it going. And last but not least, my friend and everyone's friend, PTC Vol. I know we uh, had a we had a a huge, if you would, if you would, night last night. Uh, we can't necessarily say why, but it was a great night last night, leading into National Signing Day. How are you feeling, man? Man, feeling great, bro. It's been a, it's been a good national sign of day. Um, I like, it was fairly quiet until Henry T decided he'd come play for the good guys, and that was a fantastic way to close out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We've got a little something really quickly. This is actually a, a clip from, from Coach Pruitt, uh, speaking on National Signing Day. So we're gonna play that and then and talk real quickly about that. The first thing I want to say is, um, all right, all right, all right. Let's get ready all right, to make Tennessee attractive to the student athletes. Right. And just to emphasize the eye, it's there. So I don't know if we if we, we heard that or not. It was kind of a little quiet, but that was Coach Pruitt saying I at about 10 different times. And the point I wanted to make around that was he said he wants to make Tennessee attractive to the top you know, student athletes that are out there. My question to the group, I'll, I'll throw it to you, Bleed Orange, real quickly. You know, Tennessee obviously – five and seven on the field this year and puts together a right now top, we'll just say top 15 to be conservative on it. Some outlets are saying a top 11, top 12. Um, how do you think, 
how do you think Pruitt did just, you know, as a whole uh, with this 2019 class that came in? Well, I think he did a great job. Um, you know, you are recruiting to a five and seven team, as you said. I mean, everybody knows that. It's not like uh, uh, we're, we're challenging for national championships yet. Um, but I think, you know, when you look at the, the backdrop of that record and the quality of the kids that he brought in, it looks like I, I really could, would probably rate this class an A-minus-ish probably. Um, and I know that we're rated, uh, what was it, 11 or 12 by some of the services, but that doesn't include uh, Harris coming in and uh, five-star defensive lineman transferring in. So I think, I think that uh, the staff did an outstanding job. And uh, this is, there are a lot of pieces here in this class that look like the type of thing, particularly on the offensive line where you can really start to build a, a team in a future. Yeah, it's good. And again, um, Tennessee looks like right now, SEC ranking wise, I think they're number six in the SEC. Um, so it's <laughs> being a top 12 class and you're still number number six in the SEC is interesting. But you know, you look at Clemson, at, they just won the national title and we're number nine on the rivals ranking. So I think a good haul, a good haul from Jeremy Pruitt you know, maybe a couple misses, a couple weird things. You know, you heard the Pickens, George Pickens. Is he going to flip from Auburn? Is he going to stay or flip from Auburn and go to Tennessee maybe or somewhere else? Is he going to stay with Auburn? Ends up going to Georgia. Just an, an interesting signing day, but kind of not necessarily for the Vols. Um, had a couple big stories out there. Uh, one thing, I know we, we missed out on some commits, PTC, and, you know, Cox was not firm. Um, which we talked about last week. He, Cox was definitely not firm uh, on the Vols. Uh, you see him go <laughs> elsewhere. You see like a Chris. He was Paul. rather he was rather tight lipped there towards the end. I'd say. Wow. And, uh, well, unfortunately, he became flaccid. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think PTC? I mean, I know we'll, we'll kind of break down some of the commits that we like the most, but did you think that there was a miss, like a big, big swing and a miss that it was like, gosh, we really needed that person. Like not not necessarily a position, but a, a person or excuse me, a specific player that you really wanted Tennessee to land. I'll tell you the weird kind of weird one was Bogle. Who saw him going to Florida? No hmm. idea. Nobody. I mean, everybody was like, okay, well he committed to Alabama. All right, well there there you go. And then, you know, rumor flying, maybe, okay, maybe a flip, but to where, you know, was it going to be Miami, which is where everybody thought he was going? It seems like the kid's bipolar. I don't have any idea what the heck is going through his head and why he's committing to Florida, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, somebody brought up on the board, and I actually thought about this when I got the rivals uh, note or notification on my phone. Chris Russell picked A&M, and that was after we had landed uh, Henry T. And I'm sitting here thinking, an in-state kid who's a marginal three-star trashes his in-state school because we didn't offer when he thought we should have offered. Right. Picks A&M, who's got like the third-ranked class in the nation. He will get recruited over, and we just put a stud in the middle of our defense. Yeah, I don't care about yeah. him. 
Yeah, it's interesting. You're here, dilly dilly. There's been a lot of discussion around the the Tennessee recruits, and you know, well, does Pruitt think that this is like Alabama, where you can, you know, offer? I mean, Tennessee's even done this with LSU. It, it feels like a, a number of times where they've they've had a, a guy from Louisiana committed, and then LSU offers the last week, and the guy flips over to LSU. You know, probably happened with Alabama a number of times, but. It's like with these Tennessee recruits, these guys, it's not that they don't want to play for their state university, but, I mean, is there something else? Is it that entitlement of, hey, we, if Tennessee wants us, they better, you know, go after us immediately. <laughs> like, I mean, there's only so many scholarships you can give out, I guess. But, you know, maybe, you know, Powell, I'll pass it to you. What do you think? Do you think that these Tennessee get, you know, players are entitled like a Russell? Or do you think it's just kind of, hey, we weren't really pushing for them that hard? I don't know. I, I don't understand. I, I guess they ever, everybody has their own sort of um, agendas, I guess, with uh, who they would like to get, who would they, who they would like to play with. And it's almost like Russell just never really wanted to play for us. Yeah. I mean, he had every, he had every chance, you know, to come here. Um, I think Jesse and Austin talked about, you know, we were really pushing hard for him. We were doing everything we can to get him. And either his feelings were really hurt that bad, or he just didn't want to play with us, you know, play uh, play for us. So I don't I don't know. It's the estate recruiting hadn't been terrible. I mean, I'm sure there's a few guys out there that we that we wanted that we didn't get, but that's going to happen, you know, every year probably. Right. But but we was talking about grades and stuff on the on the class this year. Uh, I had a really interesting tweet I read um, that really sums up how yeah. good of a job Pruitt did this year, which coming from 247, um, the uh, composite rankings, in the composite rankings, the Vols are one of only 10 schools to sign multiple five stars in this class. Out of those 10 schools, Tennessee was the only school with a losing record last year. Yep. So, yep. I mean, that's... I mean, that's hard to, you know, that's really tough to do, you know, so that's just, um, I agree with Bleed Orange on the A minus. There's probably, um, would have been nice to get a rush defensive end, um, somebody rush quarterback, but I think overall we pretty much hit all our targets and then, you know, and then our offensive line recruiting was off the chart. So, right. Yep. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, to, to quote, I think that's VFF on there, fix the defense. I, you know, I like this, the idea around fix the offense or specifically the offensive line. We definitely did that there, you know, very solid up and down the board with five very solid offensive linemen. Um, and probably the, in our, in our opinion, if you ask the top two, you know, offensive linemen in the country with Wanya Morris and Darnell, right. I saw that Evan Neal guy get destroyed in the all American game. he, I don't think he deserved his ranking, but he's got that Bama bump. So what are you going to do? But I thought he got destroyed by uh, Thibodeau um, in that game. I mean, he just he was too he looked slow and weak in my opinion. But my my one player that I really wish that we would have um, signed or you know you know figure out a way to get him committed was you know was Hazelwood. I thought we maybe needed another big star you know wide receiver. You're going to have some guys. Just, you know, graduating this year and things like that. And I think you just need more playmakers uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And, and Hazelwood would have been, a, you know, a big time 
splash for this recruiting class. Obviously, you got folks like, you know, Keaton that we've brought in and a couple other athletes out there. But, you know, hopefully um, there's enough firepower out there uh, this, you know, this next year and, you know, next couple of years, or maybe they're just going to try to uh, to go after that this next year, try to get a, a big time five, you know, five star or, you know, high four star out there. And yes, I am a stargazer. So I think that the perception, if you bring in these high classes with, you know, these six, 6.0 and 5.9 and 6.1 type guys, um, these other recruits know it and they want to play with good players. So, um, Priest, did I bring well, you a thought, man? Yeah, the thing is, though, that you got to be careful that if you, Talk about getting a rush and end or something like which you know they needed, but you know who are you going to get rid of? <laughs> right. Well, because we we ran out of numbers, you know. So who else? Who who's not going to come in for the rush end? Right. Right. Uh, I I have no idea. I mean, they, they again. Um, I again, I think it's a very solid class, but uh, maybe a couple of reaches towards the bottom. But again, these guys. Supposedly know what they're doing, so we're going to trust them. I know we said that about Butch, but we're going to try to trust trust the evaluations of the staff and and hope that they can coach them up, right? So we hopefully. haven't we haven't heard from Priest yet, so I'd like to sign if you could stop and let Priest speak. Thank you, I appreciate that, Lead <laughs> Orange. <laughs> Sorry, I took a I'm taking a nap to, to get ready for an all nighter with a crying baby. All good. Um, no, you're good. I you know. You, uh, GT, you, you stole my guy. I really wanted Hazelwood because that okay. dude, that dude's good. But I guess right. second one, I really huge fan of uh, Kenyatta Watson, the other kid that played oh, with yeah. uh, Wanye Morris, that yeah. quarterback. I really, I mean, from a length standpoint, I think he's like six two, maybe six two and a half. I mean, it got really long arms, and that's what you know, Coach Pruitt really likes from a you know cornerback standpoint, physical, big body guy that can it can bang with these big wide receivers. Um, but I mean, overall it was a good day. I, I don't think, you know, I think even if you take, you know, Henry T out of the equation, I would have mm-hmm. still, you know, been happy with the way today ended. Um, I wouldn't have looked at it as a down thing. I think we would have missed and PTC, I think you touched on it with not getting a pass rusher. I mean, that's, that's kind of the only thing that's missing yeah. from this class. I mean, yeah, you'd like a, you know, a stud wide out, but apparently, you know, according to T Martin that we have a, uh, diamond in the rough with Jared means being on the team um, as that stud. So we'll be, be watching to see exactly how he pans out. Um, I hope the kid is as good as they say he is. Right. Um, we are really happy. And I know, um, you know, bleed orange throughout his grade as an a minus. I won't, I won't go that high um, because we don't have a pass rusher or there's no, uh, I mean, there's no, I mean, you have Ramil Keaton who is a good, possession tall body go up and get the football receiver but there's mm-hmm. you have eric gray coming out of the backfield but i think to get it to an a you would need one more playmaker right. to go on to that offense because that's what the offense is missing um f- for the most part so I- i'm going to give it a solid b for my grade um but you know i'm very happy this class has a ton of potential it it doesn't have this you know the stars as you know gt you like to see right. um but I think it's going to be a great foundation class, which, you know, everybody, everybody says that when it's their first full recruiting classes, this is the foundation, but um, they rebuilt the offensive line. If I'm any of those offensive linemen in that room right now and watching this class come in, I'm, I'm hitting the weight room twice a day, um, mm-hmm. hoping mm-hmm. that I can hold my spot. Um, they, they did a great job building that. 
out. So uh, solid B for for my side of the equation. Now, also part of that offensive line too are the tight ends, and that's another part I think of this class that's really strong is that um, I mean the the kinds of kids that the, that they're bringing in on the offensive line. You've got a couple of tackles, a couple of guards, and probably a center there. And looking at some of these guys and their skill sets, at least from what we can tell so far. And but then obviously uh, Pruitt says, you know, somebody asked him about tight ends. He said, I don't care if they can catch. <laughs> I need them to block. And I think that's really where we've accomplished something big is um, literally uh, a couple of six, five guys that run around 250 and are probably going to get bigger and uh, are going to be able to help move some bodies up there. Yeah, most certainly. It's again, you, this is a very solid class because you are bringing some beef in here and you're bringing some guys that hopefully can develop and, and you know, they're, they look like SEC players, not these kind of hopefully quick twitch that they can be faster on the defensive line. We need some beef on the defensive line and the offensive line. So, you know, hopefully the, the current players are in their workouts right now trying to to get big and strong because there's some guys coming. And that's my my question, I guess, real quickly for PTC. I'll throw it your way. Um, is there a player outside of like a Tuotuo or a Darnell Wright or Wanya Morris, outside of those kinds of guys, who do you think is going to be an, an instant impact and, and not necessarily being a star on the team in the first year, but, you know, being special in special teams and then hopefully getting some burn out there um, during the season. Is there anyone that stands out to you? Um, with the special teams caveats, uh, I'm not real sure who that might be. Um, I'm excited to see Tyus Fields and what he's going to be able to do. Yeah. Also, Savion Williams uh, uh-huh. coming in on the line with us. Yep. Eric Gray as a running back with Ty Chandler. I think that's going to be a great duo. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, I, I, I'm excited about seeing Ramel Keaton. I mean, I told you guys about the chance meeting I had with um, his cousin down in Peachtree City and talking to him about his uh, granddad and how his granddad's going to whoop his behind if he gets out of line. Um, I'm excited about seeing what he's going to mm-hmm. be able to do. And, you know, what what is what is going to be the maturation process for guys like JG uh, with these with these new guys coming in that are completely different than what he's used to playing with? Um, where is Alante and Bryce, where are their heads with these guys? You know, they were part of Pruitt's first recruiting class, so they're kind of the players that they're looking for. And I want to see how well they accept them, gel with them, and can get better. Oh, that's good stuff. Um, Bleed Orange, I'll, I'll run this by you because I actually left out some of the, the top players. I think Quivaris Crouch is going to really stand out. I know that's kind of cheating because I said none of them really the top guys, but I think this guy's going to come and have a chip on his shoulder and really, you know, stand out for this team. You know, one of the things that was brought up in uh, Bleed Orange, Savion Williams, what, have you looked at this guy's profile, looked at his highlights? What do you think about this guy? I think he's going to be an impact player as well. Yeah, um, you know, that's the thing I have been thinking of as far as trying to grade the team, uh, the, the recruits. Um, a lot of what we have been thinking is, you know, gosh, you know, we really need some some folks to uh, – bring some beef to the defensive line and uh, Savion is going to be a big one. Uh, Milton has got some size to him. Uh, you know, he, he may be playing uh, uh, 
a, a strong defensive end or something along those lines. Uh, Elijah Simmons has got too much size to him. He's got to lose weight, and I understand right. that he has been. Um, and, you know, you never know about a guy like Roman Harrison. He's got a little bit of size to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could kind of maybe see him sneak up to the line and even Crouch possibly sneak up to the line and, and do some uh, rush out and stuff for him. So uh, that's, you know, I – but, again, you go back to the same thing that I was saying earlier. So you've only got so many people you can sign. <laughs> you know, there's always uh, probably going to be a, a – something where you're a little bit short in your class and feel like, well, you know, we wish we could have gotten this guy or that guy, but, uh, you know, man, you know, I think that Pruitt and company probably felt like we can throw a dart boards at a, uh, throw darts at a dart board with positions on it in any position we hit, we need somebody there. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and also again, we, you know, I kind of talked early, just kind of changing gears here a little bit on the recruiting side, but, uh, talked a little bit earlier about being number six in the SEC, and and you see four recruits. My my point being here, uh, four recruits out of the state of Tennessee in this signing class out of twenty three. A lot of folks out of Georgia. You're looking at North Carolina, Georgia. They dipped into Florida a little bit. You know, West Virginia for for Wright. You know, California. Um, is this going to be a continual thing? Do you think for the staff? I'll, Powell, I'll ask you. Do you think their focus is going to be in Georgia? Um, they got a lot of guys, you know, they you know, Pruitt brought a lot of guys from UGA. Um, I, he struck out, obviously, in the state of Alabama with a lot of the guys he went after. Do you think they try to leave Alabama alone and go after Georgia? Or, or where do you think their their focus is moving forward based off of kind of their success or failures this year? Well, I, I guess it kind of starts out, it would depend on the state of Tennessee, the high school players, how, you know, um, where they are as far as how good they are like next year i think tennessee is loaded and i guess so i guess they i don't know i guess they would start there and then just work their way through the other states and you know next year hopefully next year especially in some positions where we did well this year and we can have start start having a luxury where we can go go really instead of you know instead of having to fall back just start really being able to recruit um, really hard the guys that we really really want you mm-hmm. know uh, instead of uh, like i said instead of having some guys you have to fall back on and having that list hopefully that fallback list is a lot shorter going forward and we get some of our main targets um but but you know i don't think there's i'm not a big fan or i'm not a big complainer of we didn't get everybody we wanted out of the state of tennessee or anything mm-hmm. like that i mean it's I don't, the, the way it seems anymore is, I mean, there's always a couple guys where that they, they, they are big Tennessee fans. They want to play for Tennessee and they're going to play their heart out for Tennessee, but you don't see that nearly as much as you used to. Right. And so I don't like darn out, you know, darn out right. He's from West Virginia. He lives in West Virginia, but he's from, you know, Knoxville. He lived in Knoxville, um, I think up until like maybe his sixth grade year. Hmm. And so, um, and so you can, you know, Guy, even guys out of state, they just, you know, they want to play football and they want to win games. And so I don't think the home school matters nearly as much as maybe it used to. It just doesn't seem like it to me. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, again, being able to pull some like a 2-0-2-0 from Cal- all the way from California, uh, I think that's big. And it's, and it's showing that SEC has that name brand. Tennessee has that name brand, right, you know, uh, throughout the whole U.S. And, 
And uh, it's going to be interesting in the next couple of years. You've got a cornerstone guy in um, in Harrison Bailey, a quarterback, who's going to be a stud for Tennessee in the you know, next three or four years. And you'll be able to, to go around that guy. He's going to make some waves in the state of Georgia. So maybe you try to you know, work around him and that Eric Gilbert guy uh, that works or not works that uh, plays for Marietta as well. So it's going to be interesting. And then, like you said, Powell with, with the Tennessee talent. So um, last question. There's also, yeah, go ahead. There's also Jordan Davis, um, who's originally from Memphis. He went to junior college yep. and he's committed okay. to us next year. And he's a guy that um, um, he is all over Twitter, hitting up recruits and stuff. So I think he's pumping yep. on a recruit, you know, yeah, he's pretty the what now? Is that the guy up in Detroit, the defensive tackle? No, or, he's uh, – well, I don't know what junior – I don't know. He went to a Mississippi junior college, I thought. Oh, he's a JUCO think, guy. Okay. Who am I thinking about? The guy from, uh, like, Michigan that's been – he's like – Justin like, Rogers. Yeah. He's an offensive defensive lineman. Okay. That's right, yes. Yep. So, it, it's exciting, you know, and, and that'll be my last question, I guess, for uh, for Bleed Orange. I know you've got to, to run, but um, Brian Niedermeyer was named – uh, recruiter of the year on a couple other sites and obviously had a killer year. Uh, w- number one, we got to pay the guy some, some cash to stay here. Um, but you know, what do you think has been his success? How he's been so successful with these top guys and, and you think he can keep it up? Well, actually <clears throat> I thought that it'd be pretty cool if we could get him on the podcast. Well, um, I'm working with his agent. So there you go. There you go. Um, he, you know, it, it would be he obviously is great at developing uh, relationships with these kids and he must be versatile enough in his personality to mesh with a lot of different types of people. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not that they're straying from their recruiting profiles, but, you know, families do different things and have different feels about them. And he he just um uh, seems to be a man for all seasons is maybe the best way to describe him. And, uh, you know, it, the recruiting is a relationship business. Right. And one of the things that uh, Pruitt, I'm sure, completely understands is that he needs to maintain a very close relation, relationship with that young man going forward. We do not want him to leave the University of Tennessee. Right. Yeah, that's that would have an impact, I, I think, just looking historically for ten- University of Tennessee, like a Charlie Gardner uh, leaving. Um, that yeah. was Rodney, right? Or is it Rodney? Rodney. 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 Okay, sorry about that. We'll edit that out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was crucial in, in Tennessee, you know, getting on the map, I, I think, in, in the state of Georgia and bringing a lot of those stud players, one whom we had on the, the podcast, Mr. Jamal Lewis. So, um, yes. I, so, and it was what I mean. Somebody already made a run. What was it? Colorado made a run at him. Yep. Yep. And uh, you know, and he stayed. And and I don't I don't know how Pruitt did that, but there's for whatever reason he stayed. Well, uh, point you know where all the skeletons are in the closet after a couple of years. <laughs> so, <laughs> who knows? But we well, love needs. We'll pay that man some money. So. Yeah, I bet he's got a big briefcase headed his way of cash to keep him around Knoxville for quite a while. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it also be inter- I think it also be interesting to see what the the dynamic of you know having T Martin on staff now if that changes anything um, with recruiting and it, it, you know and it may even actually help us with somebody out west somewhere. Since 
I, can't, I don't know exactly how long T was at USC, like five or six years or something, maybe. Right, right. Um, and so maybe that gets us in somewhere, you know, in a, in a kid's, you know, living room out there somewhere. Yeah, no, that's that's actually a really good point. I, I think you'll see, hopefully, see Tennessee nationally recruit again like they used to in the past. And, right. And, uh, you know, go well, after I think- California, go after these guys, because, again, it's not working in Alabama. So we got to go. And somewhere. I also think, if I may, that I, I think that his visibility at USC in California may be of some help, but he, he really wasn't recruiting California that hard from what I understand. He was doing, he was, he was out there at USC, but a lot of uh, folks that he was going after recruits were actually back here in the Southeast because they wanted to ride his reputation here. That's a good point. That is a good point. So, um, well, all, awesome guys. Again, um, it, a great, not necessarily, I think a great class, but not necessarily the best national signing day as far as surprises. And, but we did, we did have a good time today following some of those announcement videos on ESPN with Tuo Tuo and, and Wright. So um, I will say that I got to, I thought I trolled Duke, but he was playing along. I, Powell, I hate to say it, I did troll you. I'm sorry for the text message. <laughs> uh, that was, a, so, yes, that was, was hilarious. Yeah, I was... <laughs> I was, I was just, with yeah, you, I was, pal. I was about to give up right there. I yeah. mean, I was, I was just about done. No, if I'm great, bro. If I, hey, son. Yep. I got one thing that, that I'd like to hear everybody's thoughts on is their favorite player in the class or, or most underrated, least talked about. You know, for me, um, I would throw out there Beasley. I, I just think that kid is a missile. And uh, on on offense or defense, he just attacks people. And I'm going to be really interested to see where he ends up. He could be be a a safety. uh, He could be a linebacker. He could make a great running back. He's kind of got the Jeremy Banks mentality. He's going to attack people. And I'm going to be excited to see him play somewhere. Anybody else? I'll go uh, since I uh, profess my love to him and glad that he uh, came through with his word of signing with us. I'll go Henry T. I think that kid's, you know, there's no such thing as a can't miss prospect because, because yes, yes. Um, there's there's no such thing as a can't miss prospect, but this this kid is is pr- pretty good from from a leadership standpoint and a and a character, you know, frame of mind. He's coming in to win. And uh, he's a heck of a ball player. Well, let's just hope he stays off of Twitter and all the dating sites and doesn't get catfish like Manti Teo. So. Gosh. <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know. It's a terrible joke, but I, you know, I thought it was. <laughs> a, a lot of the. Are you, are, because lot. they're both Polynesian? Is that what yeah, they're that gullible was, or something? Man, what is the parallel? I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the sites took the easy way. A lot of the sites took like the easy way and compared him to Manti. I like this. So, see, thank you. That I mean, I, I, I wasn't the originator of of the Manti Teal comparisons. So, just a little. I bit. We love you. Henry. Somebody referred to him as the Volunesian. I I really like that. What? <laughs> I love it. That's hilarious. Volunesian. So I will say mm-hmm. so to to your question, Bleed Orange. So there is a a huge void at tight end with. Um, our former five-star tight end, um, Eli Wolf, uh, going into the portal and transferring. 
Um, there's a big fallout there uh, at the tight end position. So I'm actually going to say not Jackson Lowe, but Sean Brown is going to be a standout player. That is, that is my prediction. Mm. Because, again, there's a big – all the production from Eli Wolf uh, last year in the run blocking and pass catching uh, department. So we're going to need someone to fill that for us. Well, right. we're going to need somebody to fill Austin Smith's role too. Is he gone? Not yeah. yet. Well, well he's in I think sport. he's hurt. He's always hurt. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, and I, I think his bro, I think Wolf's brother went on like Twitter and was pretty salty with Vol fans for a while, and that he didn't get to, you know, showcase all of his skills and all that. And it's like, well, why didn't you showcase it while you were here then? Like, why you got to wait to go to another place to do that? I just don't understand it. So, that's Vol Twitter at its best, though, going after players and former players. I love it. So. Keep it up. Vault Twitter. Vault, you, do, you don't cross Vault Twitter. You don't. We, <laughs> they were going after um, people about Shiana today getting hired well, as the DC for the Patriots, and there's a bunch of people hilarious. trying to poke at, poke at Tennessee fans, and they just went after them. And uh, so, anyway, kudos to, to Vault Twitter. You guys do a great job. I don't know how you have time of the day to, uh, to do that, but – Anything else on recruiting, guys? We want to wrap this thing up and we can talk basketballs a little bit. I just got one thing. Yeah, go talking ahead. About, talk, talk about individual players. I'm really interested in seeing uh, Daryl Middleton uh, just kind of because that guy has been basically um, just took the, the long way, the Gerald Williams way to get to mm-hmm. Knoxville. <laughs> and, and I just, just you, know, you know, and I give the guy credit for not giving up. I mean, he probably could have easily done that and he hadn't. And, you know, he – I saw him – I saw him live his freshman year. He went to the same high school that I did. And so I got to watch quite a few of their games live. And now then he, he's about the same height. He was 6'5", 6'6", then, but he weighed like 220, 225, and he played wide receiver. And every – I mean, every game that they played, he was the best player on the field, hands down. And I just really, really interested to see what he looks like now being – you know, 50, 75 pounds heavier, and hopefully he can still move because that guy was really fast for as big as he was. And he was just, he, you just tell he's just naturally physically stronger than everybody else. Um, he played defensive end, and um, you, you, he, you could tell he took plays off and didn't give everything he had. But when he did, I mean, he was unblockable. And so, um, yeah, just really, I'm kind of pulling for the guy, uh, you know, so, so. Um, he's kind of my guy that I'm interested in seeing. And, and it looks like he had some pretty decent offers. I know Florida offered him, and it looks like there was some interest by Kentucky and Georgia. And it says he was offered by them. So um, at once, at once, like I think maybe the year before last, I think Alabama actually offered him. Uh-huh. I don't know if that was I don't know if that was a commendable you know com- committable offer or whatever. Uh-huh. But they he did post it that they offered him. Hmm. So, but I mean, talent wise, that guy's got it. It's just you know, applying it to the field. Right. Right. And the classroom. Oh, very. Yeah. It's being a student athlete. It's putting it all together. So, um, not just being out on the field. I, I, I can't even imagine all the stuff that they have to go through to, to do the school and the working out and the games and the practice and the film study and all that. So kudos to those guys, but yeah, hopefully Daryl can 
pull it through and, and have a good career here in, in Knoxville. And we're, we're pulling for you, man. So anything else guys with regards to recruiting, um, anything else we can all talk about? Cause I know everybody's been talking about recruiting in national signing day. So any teams or anything like that, that surprised you? No, I, I'm, I'm surprised I think with how well Texas that. is recruiting. Texas A&M? Then both of yeah. them, Texas and Texas A&M, had really good years yeah. recruiting. Yeah, Oregon had a very solid year as well. Um, I, again, my, my thing, I'm just, I just thought as we were Clemson, um, for them this is a, a pretty poor class. You know, I mean, still it's top ten, so you're going to have some stud players, but for winning the national title – um, and having the ninth ranked class, you know, not that they're slipping or anything, but goodness. Um, and maybe they didn't have as high profile guys, you know, cause they're always getting five-star quarterbacks. I don't know if they got any QBs this year or not, but, uh, they probably did now that I said this, but no, they got a wide receiver and a defensive back. So, um, and they were going everywhere too. They were in, dipping into Alabama, Louisiana, you know, Florida, Georgia, Missouri. So it's, Recruiting's taking that national national tone for everybody, so it's it's going to be an interesting race next year. So we're looking forward to it. So wrapping up basket, or excuse me, wrapping up recruiting and looking at the Tennessee basketballs that are twenty one and one now. That's one of the coolest things in one of our text messages. Is we the name of it is twenty one and you know I think PTC. I think you update it every single time, but it's cool to see the the ranking going up and up. And who, again, I ask this every week, who would have thought we were at 21 and one? Who would have thought we'd be at 19 and one, 18 and one? Um, Tennessee, nine and zero in conference play. I think the first time in the history of Tennessee, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong here, but, you know, now they've won 17 in a row, which is another record of win streak. Uh, just demolishing Texas A&M at Texas A&M. And then, a solid game against Missouri, not their best offensive night, but beating Missouri by double digits. Um, what do you guys think? I'll pass you, Priest, first. You're the basketball guru. What, what were your thoughts on the performances this week by the, by your Vols? I mean, they won. That, that's the biggest thing. They just find ways to win. D- right. Different teams try different things with them as far as defensively and offensively. Um, still a little worried about the perimeter shooting they give up because they do give up some offensive, um, really good offensive looks from from the three point land to allow teams to kind of stay in it. Now, was were they ever in doubt to lose to Missouri? No, you know, watching that game, they um, th- they had control of it throughout, but that you know they still would allow shots to kind of leak in and players to get through their defense a little bit easier than they probably should have. Um, but you know, really. You know, just overall impressed. I was looking at the numbers before we uh, we started, and um, I watched the game and didn't realize that Kyle Alexander played 30 minutes, um, which is pretty impressive for him. Now he didn't play probably the best. Um, you know, he had six points and eight rebounds, but um, you know, he still had four blocks. That that's where he made his his hay, and that's probably why he played 30 minutes is because he was he was making the shots and um, and, and keeping keeping the you know the defense in tune with what Missouri's offense was trying to do. Now it's a Conzo offense and I'll leave it at that. Cause I know that horse has been beaten to death. <laughs> um, but you know, it's not that dynamic. 
Um, but with him and Grant really getting into the block party, so to speak, there were a couple of times where they just were before the ball even went up, you knew it was getting swatted back mm-hmm. in, in their face. And it was pretty nice to see them actually get up and get into some defenders face and, and face guard a little bit more than they have the past couple of games. So, um, you know, impressive. It was a nice win, solid win. Um, it's going to be an interesting game on Saturday. Um, I know they're checkering uh, TBA, so um, the atmosphere will be electric, um, especially with Florida in town after the uh, the whole Gator Chomp thing that they were all um, – this is a PG podcast – after they were all upset about. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a family podcast. Family podcast. Check um, the check box if we cuss in it. Yeah, you have to you have to put the E on the end of it if we yeah. cuss. Um <laughs> But, you know, it, I'm sure the Florida's going to be pretty fired up. You know, they're 12 and 10, which isn't the best, but they still have some talent there. I expected right. a, probably another gritty, dirty game again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I expect Tennessee to win, um, as we all do. Until they lose, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict them to win. What's up? Let me ask you this. You talk about gritty, dirty win, and I, I pretty much agree with you there. That's kind of the identity of the of the, found, well, the foundation of our team, gritty and dirty. We get it done on the defensive end, and we happen to be able to do things on offense, don't you think? Yeah, the the, the defense is really coming around, and then I know we were all kind of just talking offline and, and through the text message of wondering what happened to Pons, but and you know he did fade towards the end of the Missouri game, but he came out playing really hard, and I'm not gonna you know. Um, plagiarize what Rob Lewis has said before, but you could see that he gets lo- he's been getting lost deeper into the defensive set. Um, but that didn't happen to him that much in the first half and when he played against Missouri, which was nice to see. Um, he caught a nice pass and good dunk cutting through the lane that he hadn't you hadn't really seen him be that you know in line with how the offense was running. So you know maybe he's kind of coming out of his funk or getting past that wall he hit. Um, but you're right, PTC. The defense carries this team, and it's that's as far as this team can can go as far as they want, as long as they play good defense. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have good shooters with Bowden and Turner, and, and I mean, I think Bone is the best point guard in the league mm-hmm. um, in the entire nation. People will probably disagree with me, and that's fine because he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. But that kid's, you know, now I don't know if he's NBA talent, but he's best point guard in the NCAA right now. Um, but you're right. It, it, the defense that is going to carry this team as far as they want to go and as hard as they want to play. Yeah, He's got something, Jordan, Jordan Bones got something like, what is it, 56 assists coming into the Missouri game and 11 turnovers? That's a ridiculous ratio. The way he passes the ball is effortlessly. I was actually watching him pretty closely after he had his kind of, I won't call it a coming out party, but he had a great game before playing Missouri. And it, it's like he just – it, the game just flows to him. It, he can make a pass without looking. He knows where everybody's supposed to be. There was one play. He was going to kick it back out, and Pons actually blew up the play because he came in looking probably to get an offensive rebound instead of staying in the corner. And Bone drove the lane and didn't even look and just chest passed it over three Missouri players. And it went into the stands because if Pons would have been standing there, he had a wide open three. He knew where the offense was going. Pons didn't, unfortunately, but that offense runs off a bone so effortlessly. It, it's it's pretty magical to watch. I'm yeah. going to make a quick comparison here, uh, and I think I want you guys to chime in. And Bleed Orange, I'm sorry to cut you off, and I want you to chime in as well. Um, compare Bone and how he and what you just said, uh, Priest, with I think the two greatest. Uh, 
assist people I've ever watched and Pistol Pete and John Stockton. And that's some upper echelon players to compare him to. American. I know. I'm just saying how effortless it was. So what do you think, Bleed Orange? Oh, he's gone, so I'll, I will speak okay. in his in his uh, place. He's he's his meds have hit him, and he's he's, he's <laughs> gone now. Um, but uh, no, I, I think you know some of those comparisons. I, I think you know it's it's interesting to me um, for with regards to the bone, as far as where does he stand all time and things like that. I you know that's hard. I I'm not good at making that kind of a comparison. I think that. They're kind of different players, uh, you know, the way that Bone pushes um, every time that he gets that ball, he's looking to push. He's looking to uh, kind of pick and prod into the lane. He, he, he works the, you know, the elbows and the lane very well in this, you know, those screens. I mean, the, the way that Tennessee, that's the other part of it, too, is these passes look so effortless, effortless, ugh, effortless because um, the way that the, the screens are being set as well and the way that these guys are cutting off of them. So when you have a Jordan Bowden, who is one of I, – I actually like to compare him to like a Rip Hamilton, um, the way that he goes around the screens and hits those you know elbow jumpers in the lane and stuff like that, that was not a part of his game early in the season. For whatever reason, he's, <laughs> he's starting to, to curl off of those screens so well. So, yeah, I mean, Bone does a great job knowing where his team needs to be um, I think there's that consistency there and, you know, bone is the, I don't know if he's the best point guard as far as like, Oh, he's going to be an NBA lottery pick or something, but he is the most consistent point guard in uh, the NCAA. And I think that is what you need to be able to win a national title. So I know I kind of danced around that, that question, but um, I mean, I think no matter what, how we slice it, we got a winner at the point guard position. And I shut down the pod quest with that answer. So, there we go. I actually have a question real quick for you, Priest or Powell, you know, either or. Um, one of the things I know we, we talked about the, the three-point defense, which I think we're all starting to see is a big um, Achilles heel for this team. I actually am a little nervous about the rebounding um, out of Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams. I, Grant does a better job rebounding than Admiral, but – um, that was one of the things like I, I listened to him in the post game, uh, you know, a little interview with the, with the blonde chick and excuse me, blonde females is 2019. I apologize. But, um, you know, they, they said, well, you know, you guys were kind of struggling on the offensive side and this and that. And I would have loved to hear him say, well, you know, I need to do a better job. I need to rebound and I need to defend better. But he was like, well, I, I was missing shots. And then they started to fall. So, I would like to see Schofield and to an extent Williams really start trying to focus in on, uh, you know, defense, you know, defense and rebounding. What do you guys think? I know that was more of a point, but do you see that as a deficiency on this team? Um, those guys getting in for rebounding and not, and just kind of like hoping Alexander gets it. That's all you, Powell. Powell, go ahead, man. Um. I think our, I think our big, I think our, one of our biggest issues inside, as far as rebound and all that stuff, is we do not, we do not have a serviceable second team five. Uh-huh. I mean, it either Walker or Fulkerson, one of them is going to have to step. But Fulkerson, I thought played pretty well last year at times, and and now he just, he just is not playing well at all. And I think it's hurting us. I think uh, 
because I think it messes our rotation up because we have to when we when we when we rest Alexander, we have to move somebody else in there, and, and we haven't really been putting Fulkerson or Walker, especially Walker. He ain't played much at all. But w- having to move those guys, having to shuffle those guys and put somebody else inside, you know, that player is usually playing a lot of the game, and they're not getting any rest either. So I'm I'm more concerned than our perimeter shooting, just because it's it, yeah the other team is getting some wide open looks, but. It just seems like everybody we play is really hot from shooting outside. Oh yeah, but but our, I, I'm just I'm just really concerned with our um, who is going to relieve Alexander. Um, he needs a break. I mean, I don't like him playing 30 minutes a game. Right. Um, he's foul prone as it is, and um, I just really like to see something get more out of what we're getting out of those two guys, of Fulkerson or Walker. We're just not getting anything out of either one of them right now. Did you guys see that thread from Chatoval today where he compared Fulkerson's stats with all the top 10 teams in the country, their eighth rotation player? It was very interesting, and he goes through it, and I think most of Folky's stats, he's like fifth in points, fifth in rebounds, second in assists. You know, and some of those stats are kind of like, okay, it doesn't necessarily, you know, translate, but – um, you know, I think he, I think he isn't necessarily the player he was, you know, the last year before the injury. Um, I'm hoping that kind of starts to come together for him over the next couple of years, but he definitely needs to get a boost. You know, the team, his teammates love him. They say that he works hard and plays harder than everybody. So maybe he's just goofy or something. I don't know, but PTC, do you think, you know, Walker had a good game, um, against, I think it was against A&M or maybe the week before. Um, do you think Walker can step in and do something? You know, I haven't really seen much of Walker in the limited amount of time that we've we've had him there. But you know, we got to get something from him. We got to get something from Johnson. There's got to be an there's got to be an answer there because we, you know, like Priest said, you can't have you can't have Alexander being playing 30 minutes a night. I mean, you know, I would mind 22, 23 because he's really foul prone. But we also can't continue to rely on the rotation of six that we have while we, I think we have the sixth man of the year in Jordan Bowden, no doubt. I mean, the guy can jump out of the gym and do anything. We've got to get a little bit more because come tourney time, it's going to be a different struggle and we have to have a little bit more developed depth. I'm not sure. I don't know if there's a light that needs to be what switched on with those guys or if there's something that they just don't understand about the flow, but perhaps in some of the games where we're favored by 18, 19, 20 points, get them a little bit more. Uh, I know a lot of people on the board have worried about getting guys on the bench more time, but during some of these blowouts we've had, and you know, I tend to agree, but at the same time, you know, we're riding a 17 game winning streak and we're 21 and one. So obviously Rick Barnes knows what he's doing. But how do we make sure that those guys are ready? It's only going to come with playing time. Well, a lot of those blowouts, a lot of those blowouts have came, you know, really seems like after the ten minute mark or something in the second half, where it's a it's an eight or ten point game, and then we push it out to twenty there in the last ten minutes. And so those, you know, those second team guys are not going to get to play too much in that situation. That mm-hmm. was it's sort of sort of what I'm what I was really hoping. What I'm really hoping is the next two games that we can. Uh, get a lead, keep it out there, play some of those second team guys, and give some of those, you know, give some of those first team guys a break, 
and that and be ready for you know go to Kentucky. Yeah, you know, Walker which, Walker didn't yeah. even play in the Missouri game. He didn't get any minutes. I didn't think he did. Oh. And Fulkerson was the first guy off the bench. He was the first player yep. substituted in. There was a Jalen Johnson sighting for those that wonder if he's transferred yet, but he played two minutes. Well, he looks so he looks so down on the on the bench whenever he needs to pick it up. <laughs> you never know when he's going to be put in the game, and it's like, dude, you got to be you got to be like a like you drank three Red Bulls, man. Like you got to be like getting after it, man. You know, there was like a, a a TV timeout, and they zoomed in on him, and he was completely zoned out. And then he went in on the next possession and missed a three, and Barnes <laughs> jerked him out, and he had on a T-shirt after halftime. Wow, yeah, he's. I'd love to see the guy develop a little bit more, but um, it's interesting. I'm kind of going through some of the national stats too, and I mean, obviously Tennessee, number six in the country, points per game. Uh, number one in assists per game, which I thought was really cool to see. Um, so offensively, they're doing just crushing it. Um, and, you know, rebounding, they're number 40, I think, or number 51 in the country rebounding. So, I, again, I think, you know, we're splitting hairs. I think sometimes, you know, with the bench and with, you know, what can this team do better? Again, at the end of the day, I think PTC, you said they're 21 and one. Let's enjoy it. Let's, you know, this yep. is all interesting stuff to, to think and talk about. Um but, you know, you want to say, okay, how, how can we get this team to that Final Four, you know, potentially to that champion national championship game? So all interesting discussion. Do we want to talk a little bit here about, you know, the next couple games? I mean, there's only nine regular season games, and then we're going to have our big party out in, in Nashville for the SEC tournament. I will be up there with Bleed Orange and a bunch of the PodQuest groups, and, uh, folks, casters, and then we're going to have a bunch of Quest people up there. I'm going to be there Friday through Sunday, so um, can't take off that much time. But anyway, I digress on that. But we're looking at the next games coming up, Florida, South Carolina, can, at Kentucky, home against Vandy, and then at LSU. Those are the next five games. Um, do we – I mean, obviously playing a couple of, of ranked teams on the road – do you see that where Tennessee maybe slips and falls, or do you see us riding this thing out clean for the next five games? What do you think, Priest? That's a – I mean, looking at it now, I mean, I hadn't looked this far ahead yet. Um, yeah, I think we clear Florida. I think we clear South Carolina. The at Kentucky game is is a big game. I mean, that's, that's a primetime game on ESPN with Kentucky, who's just as hot. Right. Well, they're not as yep. hot because they can't spell the word Tennessee if anybody saw that tweet, which was quite funny. <laughs> um, you know, you have that game, which I, I, I think we split with Kentucky this year. I don't think we sweep them. Um, I'll be the negative ball on that. Um, I don't disagree. I, I don't, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if we if we can beat them in Rupp. That's, that's a tough place to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to be they're going to be loud. They're going oh, to be after I mean, it. Oh, yeah. And. and but I'll say that we, we split with them, except the away team wins both games. So I'll say Tennessee clears it. My worry is the Vandy or LSU game, um, just from the up of being going into Kentucky in Rupp at night um, on ESPN, your number one versus probably number, you know, Four a, a top two top five teams going at it. Yeah. You know, probably not so much Vandy because they just got lucky with shooting hot in Memorial, which weird things happen in that gym anyway. So probably the LSU game, I would say that they drop the next um, out of the next five. 
Oh, and I didn't know. L- I mean, LSU's got some big dudes on their team. I watched uh, when they lost to Arkansas, and yeah. man, they got some studs. <laughs> so, and, and the other yeah. only variable that makes me predict that or, or make that claim is it because it's at LSU. If that's mm-hmm. in Knoxville, I say they go five and zero. Oh. Yep. Do you think? I, I mean, that, yeah. Go ahead, Powell. Something that helps us in the LSU, in the LSU game. I don't know if y'all notice this or not. But it's a twelve o'clock start, and so I actually think that helps oh, yeah. us there with with it not being a night game or even a late afternoon game. I actually think that's pretty big, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, but um, I'm not worried about I'm not worried, really worried about Florida, or South Carolina. Obviously, our season I feel like our season starts at at Kentucky, and then the remaining games are you know our season basically on how we finish the rest of the year. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. I, you know, I, I'm trying to, you know, I'm I'm so focused on this dang Kentucky game and, yep. You know, uh, how how will this team respond when they get punched in the face? Like maybe Kentucky starts out hot and you know, are they a good? They're not a great three point shoot, uh, shooting team, are they? They're getting better. They went they wasn't very good to start the year out. That was actually kind of holding them back, but now they've gotten. They they have gotten better shooting shooting the ball outside, but they're I mean they don't light it up. I right. think they're I think they're thirty six percent, thirty six thirty seven percent or something like that for the year. Okay, I'm is, trying to find them nationally. <laughs> I can't. I still can't find them on here. But uh, anyway, so if anybody can find that, but I, I can't see. Good night. Um, <laughs> I can't seem to find that, but. Uh, yeah, I, I get worried about these teams that when they play Tennessee, they just start lighting it up from three, and and that's been our that's been our tough uh, kind of deficiency this year is how the heck and, and what's the you know how, how do we combat that? How do we get better at that? Is it just closing out better? Is it you know I don't know what the issue is. Are they spacing us out so much? Like what what are we where are we missing? It looks like well, they're going I'm... deep. When oh, sorry, go ahead, pal. No, go ahead. You're good. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it looks like they're running us deep into the shot clock, and we're getting kind of out of position, and then they'll screen us up and get somebody just enough space to get those shots off, and we're not blowing through those screens. But that's only my view. I don't – Pal, what were you going to say? Well, pretty pretty much – I mean, very similar to that, which is what I'm seeing is the, the same thing, which is uh, we get somebody that – they get somebody that drive, comes off a screen, drives the ball uh, into the paint, and the backside – guard that's on the wing player that's either on the baseline or kind of three quarters away out he comes to he slides down to help and they're kicking it out right there Mm -hmm. and that guy's got an open shot and so we're having to help because you know i don't know if it's bone i don't know who it is but we're coming off the screens we're getting beat there and then it we have to draw people in to help out with that because you're going to give up a layup if you don't and then that's when the kickouts are coming, and they're getting wide open threes doing that. And and it's you you can't you can't just tell that guy to stay at home. We've got to do just got to do a better job either getting through the screen or getting around it. One of the two. Yeah, uh, and I also think those guys rebounding a little bit better, Admiral and Grant underneath will help keep those guys at home and not creep down with trying to assist on getting a rebound. Mm-hmm. I think that'll help keeping them kind of on their man instead of going down and thinking, well, if it, I got to help grab a rebound here 
oh, my guy's out in the corner, and he's somehow magically hit the most threes in his career <laughs> against us tonight, yeah, it right. seems like. But mm-hmm. I, I think, to, you know, they, they tighten up the rebounding, kind of like what you said, GT, and I think it, it, it'll um, it'll put a bow on this defense. Yeah, no, it's, it's again, it's going to be a slugfest, and, and the – It'll definitely be a measuring stick. You know, they're, they're, um, you know, even though we've played the likes of Kansas when they were, you know, number one in the country or whatever num- number they were, they got to number one and they had their full strength team and we should have beaten them and beat, you know, Gonzaga who beat Duke and all the transitive property. But, uh, you know, they are really building up Kentucky now. And it's, I think if I'm Tennessee, I come in with a dis, I'm disrespected by that. And, you know, we're the number one team in the country and they're just, you know, they're hyping up Kentucky again and all their little diaper dandies and one and done kind of guys. So I think you have Admiral going there. He's going to be talking so much crap. And, uh, you know, you force, you literally force feed Grant Williams and, you know, try to foul out their bigs. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, that's that's what I try to do. So not, not the Kentucky game, but how many technical fouls do you think is going to be in this Florida game on Saturday? I think it's going to be. I bet it's going to be super chippy from the tip, and it's going to be be a fun game to watch. Oh, I'm, I've got I'm, I've I've already shipped in a bunch of popcorn. I'm re- I'm ready for it, man. I got my popcorn ready. It's going to be fun. That's going to be a that's going to be a heck of an atmosphere, especially you know at the start of the game. If we can come out, we're hot. That crowd's going to be rocking. So speaking of atmosphere, Powell. All right, what the heck is up with Thompson Bowling? Because I'm not one to complain about this, the crowd sound and all that kind of stuff but it sounds i mean it sounds loud but it doesn't sound as loud as it can be you know is it because they supposedly have a bunch of old people sitting down in front or is it because the students are behind the baskets or what the heck is it too big i think predval even made a thread that said thompson bowling should be twelve thousand people yeah i don't know about twelve thousand people um <laughs> i don't yeah I, um you know, I just think we're in that part of the season where um, the excitement of the first your first 10 or 15 games is over with and you're now looking toward the tournament because we know what we got and we got that chance. And I think it's just sort of a um, kind of a low point in the excitement. Um, and also, we for whatever reason, we keep going through these stretches of the game where, uh, you know, the, the now the A&M are – there's been a few games where we hadn't had this problem, but we just go through stretches where uh, we don't shoot the ball very good. Um, play gets kind of sloppy. Um, the other team, I mean, we stretch it out to a 12 point lead. The other team comes down, makes two threes mm-hmm. and they, mm-hmm. you know, and so that makes you kind of, you know, it gets you sitting on your hands a little bit. And uh, so I just think it's that, I just, and you know, I'm not real worried about that. I've been in Thompson Motor Arena where, you're up by 25 and everybody's just sitting there watching the ball game and yeah. I'm, you know, and so, uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about that. Yeah. I just, I want it to just be a, a raucous atmosphere. And mm-hmm. I, think you, I think you sent that tweet out or was that UPTC um, where Jeremy Pruitt was saying something about recruiting or no, he's like going into, you know, recruit. Yeah. He went into a uh, recruit football recruits house and he said, I'm paraphrasing, he said, I don't can't count how many times I've gone into a recruit's house and our basketball team has been on the TV kicking someone's ass. I love it. <laughs> they love yeah. those guys. 
That was an awesome statement. I know that that should be like a T-shirt or something, honestly. And mm-hmm. look, yeah, for real. Quest, maybe we'll make that T-shirt for you guys. You guys can buy it. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. But that should be a freaking T-shirt. I I, I laughed so hard at that line. Um, I thought that was really funny of of Pruitt. But um, again, even more real quick, even more to me, even more important than just the line he said himself, um, just going into a recruit's house and they have our basketball game on. I think that's a pretty big deal. I know. Exactly. And and this is when you start to think, you know, yeah, football kind of cures everything if football is winning. But, you know, you look at like a Clemson or Alabama, their, you know, their basketball programs aren't very good. They have great football programs, but you know, like at Tennessee, Tennessee is a very well-rounded program uh, from, well, not baseball as of late with Serrano, but, uh, you know, baseball, track and field for a while was pretty good. Softball was good. Women's basketball was good. You know, men's basketball, with it being number one, is pretty dang good right now. And then if you get football going, Tennessee's the type of university that really, that branding, you know, all across the board at every sport, they're typically pretty dang good. So it's really cool to see that and see Tennessee in a prominent position. So that's exciting. Um, so anyway, anything else, guys, on on basketball on these next couple games coming up? Just keep winning. Get your popcorn yeah. ready for Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. And are they doing a game day? Do we get a game day, or is that going to be the uh, that's going to be Duke Virginia again? It'll be Duke Virginia. Yeah, Duke Virginia again. We may get it for that. Kentucky game if both teams are still winning. And I and I do think that yeah that that's actually a good call priest. I do think you know I like I like reading some of the threads and stuff like that but it, it, as far as right when the game is starting because a lot of these basketball games have been going over and yeah. uh, like Tennessee got bumped for the Kentucky game that one time and then Tennessee's games are getting put on like alternate channels and stuff while these other games are going into overtime. Um, is there a conspiracy there, Powell, or um, are we just being very sensitive as Tennessee fans? I mean, it's the number yeah. one country. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm probably just being sensitive. I don't. That's, I mean, that's that's pretty common. That's, that's pretty common for for pretty much. All, I, that now, I'll, I'll say this. Kicking us, kicking us off, and putting another game on. I thought that was really weird. I don't know uh-huh. if I've ever seen that happen before. But having to start late because of the game before us goes in overtime or whatever. It's just a long game. Um, I mean, that's pretty common, you know, for that. Luckily, I have the SEC alternate channel. It seems like nobody else on the board does, uh, <laughs> you know. And luckily, I have that, so I don't miss anything whenever it goes to that. Well, you're one of the only ones that haven't cut the cord yet, I guess, because everybody might, likes to make the YouTube YouTube TV threads and stuff all the time. Uh, yeah, I, I have Directv, so I love my Directv. I pay forty bucks a month, and I get all the, you know, I got the sports channels, whatever. Um, question also. You know, or actually, this is kind of a point. So, to your, so your, some of your points, pal. I actually, I don't mind the whole, you know, they're cutting us off and all that kind of stuff. I actually, I'm excited because they're bringing like the full, the kind of the high end announcing crew. So that the Jimmy Dykes, yeah, they have Carl Ravitch who does like baseball tonight and stuff, which is kind of weird. But they brought that, you know, blonde chick a couple times. They kept showing like Admiral you know, doing the guitar thing. And it was like an ad for Tennessee. I thought it was really cool. So I love that kind of thing. Uh, you know, having 
the other guy, uh, the Duke lover, whatever, uh, Dick Vitale, having him as well. So um, I know we'd all love to hear Dane Bradshaw talk about Tennessee or like Beth Mowens or whatever, but I, I like Please God, no. <laughs> I like that aspect of it. Do you guys like those announcers? Like Jimmy Dykes, he's all about it and like he loves Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a good pub and yeah, I can watch Laura Rutledge talk about just about anything. Yeah, man. Um, we love you, Laura. Right you listen to the podcast. Thank you for listening. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> um the uh, the Jimmy Dykes picture of him, that he sent out that that kind of went viral before the um, Adele serenade by Schofield um, with Bone <laughs> and Coach Barnes sitting in the empty gym that that blew up Twitter in the morning was was great publicity and and they talked about it throughout the game you could tell that you know that pretty much everyone knows that this team's for real and that this program yep. is is pretty much for real with Rick Barnes leading the way so they're more comfortable to kind of go out and say they can back them and like they love Knoxville and this team is great. And, you know, I, I th- this isn't a knock on Bruce Pearl. He's a great coach, but I think he's a little uh, – he's not as clean cut as Rick Barnes is for a ESPN to go and show him rolling up in a Tahoe blaring some god-awful music. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's just great pub all around and, and – Coach Barnes is going to do whatever Coach Barnes wants to do, right. and that that's just the way it is, and I think ESPN kind of knows that and likes that. Yeah, it's interesting, and I, I think they're starting to see that we have some personalities too. We don't have the number one pick in the draft, but we've got some dang good personalities, and I think that's marketable, right, when you look at TV time and getting slots. Right. Up. And I've just kind of had a premonition. I, I, I'm seeing – Tennessee and Duke. I know they're one and two right now, but I, that's where I'm seeing in the national championship game. And you're going to have those two smiling faces, Admiral Schofield and, and Zion Williamson. It's going to be a good national title game. So I'm calling that, but um, I want to see Duke in the, in the national title game. So um, I think we, we show them up, but an exciting season. Nonetheless, we got nine games left, 21 and one. Then we got the SC tournament and then the, the big dance. So, um, an exciting week of basketball, an exciting weekend coming up against the Florida Gators. And uh, then we get in this this tough five-game stretch that we got coming up. So anything else, guys? Just continue win. Anything else you want to say to the to the group tonight? Go Vols, baby. Been a good day. Been a good week. Been a great week. Really Priest, good week. I know, you're, I know you're tired, man. Thank you so much. And congratulations again. From everybody at Quest, yeah, everybody on the PodQuest, we love you. We're so happy for you, man. And Thanks, guys. I, I appreciate it. It's good to be back. I, this is my good um, adult time. I, uh-huh. I can talk to uh, adults <laughs> and not be in uh, baby mode of changing diapers and feeding. And it's amazing and great, but it is nice to get some adult time once a week. I feel you, yeah, man. I feel it. Well, now you get twice this week because you get Sunday as well, unless, you know unless you can't do Sunday, but we'd love to have you back on Sunday. So oh, yeah. um, with we that being be good. said, yep. Good, good. No, it's good. To, it's good to know that. With that being said, go Vols. We hope everybody has a great rest of your week and we will see you on Sunday.